Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good Vanilla, a Barefoot Contessa podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and wedding bells are ringing this week on The Good Vanilla as we prepare for a rehearsal dinner. This episode is like, I think I said I said it earlier this week on my Splash of the Good Vanilla episode. I don't know why, for whatever reason, this is like a touchstone episode for me. I don't know what it is. can't really explain it. I feel like I've just, it's probably just because I've seen it a lot, and I don't know why I, I haven't done it earlier with all of that said, but I'm glad that it's happening now. Ah, how is everyone? It's Friday. I put out an episode after... Oh my gosh, so long. I After I recorded that Splash of the Good Vanilla episode, I think the last one I recorded was on like January 6th. And it's funny because I was looking at my notes because I started taking notes on this episode on January 14th. So, you know, it's uh, A for effort, but F for execution, you know? Um, What else is happening here? I... I went to Chipotle tonight, and I don't go too often because it's just far enough away from my house, which I guess is a good thing. Um, And it's just, I don't know, I never have a really great experience at this Chipotle, and everyone's just moving. Like, I just feel like every Chipotle I I typically go to, it's like a well-oiled machine, and this one is not. And I placed, like, an online order to be picked up, so I didn't have to deal with, like, the line. And I got there, you know, I I got there at 6.30 when I wanted it, when I scheduled it to be picked up. But I was like, oh, you know, I'll, I'll give them five minutes or so. And then I was like waiting and it was like 6.45. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here, guys? And like bags were being put on like the shelf where you just like pick it up. And so finally I went up and I just like talked to someone and I was like, hey, just picking up an order for Nick. And folks, it didn't go through the system. I don't know what happened. They're, they couldn't find it. So... It was like this whole thing where they had, not not a whole thing, but like they just had to like make it on the spot. And I couldn't even remember like what I what I got on my burrito anyway. I was just like, uh, I don't need any salsa. Just give me something because I was so hungry at that point too. you know, first world problems, folks. But huh, then I came back and I ate it. Chipotle burritos are so big, but also I ate the whole thing. I mean, who am I kidding? And here I am ready to record uh, I'm trying to think of anything else. The Oscars happened last week. If anyone's interested in the Oscars or, you know, talking about it, um, you should go over to my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast. And I don't really like, I always like plug it at the end of this podcast, but basically it's my friend Colin and I, and we just talk about our favorite category at the Oscars, which is like the best supporting actress. Because even though leading actress is fun, it, sometimes I feel like, like that best supporting actress role is sometimes a little bit more meaty and a little bit more like, you know, women of a certain age or like quirky and stuff like that too. So that was a terrible description of the podcast. But if you like Oscars, if you like movies, if you like women over 50, um, that's the podcast for you. Go and listen to the best supporting podcast. Why don't you? Okay, so let's, I guess we'll get into this episode. So this is Season 6, Episode 10, Rehearsal Dinner. And I got really confused because I went to, um, you know, pick up where I left off. And for some reason, it took me to, like, Back to Basics. This is not Back to Basics. This is, like, OG Barefoot Contessa. But there was another episode. I think it was, like, Season 6, Episode 4. And it's also called Rehearsal Dinner. So I they couldn't think of anything else. I don't know. But it's funny because uh, at the very beginning of the, I guess so I clicked play on that episode and it's like, 
Ina's at like a 10. She's like, I'm the barefoot contessa and wedding bells are ringing. She like went into this like <laughs> stratosphere, like an octave that we know that she shouldn't be speaking at, you know, and we love her for that. I don't think she should like be above like a, like a six, you know, but anyway, this is the season six. Speaking of six episode 10 rehearsal dinner. So Ina begins and a side note, Ina is like extra subdued and like almost like drowsy in this intro. I feel like she just took like a Xanax or something, or maybe she just had a couple glasses of wine, who knows, but she's, She seems very relaxed. So here we go. Ina begins. She said, My friend Barbara Leibeth's gorgeous daughter Cassandra is getting married this year, and I've offered to help with a rehearsal dinner. I believe in first impressions and last impressions, so I've asked my friend Miguel to take to do two table settings for Cassandra to choose from, and I'm making two over-the-top desserts. First, I'm making a baba o' rum, which is a delicious cake made with yeast and then soaked, and I mean soaked, in rum syrup. And second, I'm giving her a choice with il flottant, or floating island, which is, a, which is big mounds of meringue floating on a sea of vanilla creme anglaise and drizzled with caramel and pralines. Mmm. Cassandra's coming later to choose which table setting and which dessert she wants for her rehearsal dinner. I think it's going to be a really hard... Wait. I think it's going to be really hard to choose. Oh my gosh, that was a mouthful, especially talking... I was talking about this earlier uh, in my Splash of the Good Vanilla episode. I couldn't remember what the name of the uh, the French dessert was called, but Il Flottant, uh, a floating island. I think I made fun of it, and I was like, um, but I remember this very well now, of course, obviously seeing the episode and taking notes for like 35 minutes. But uh, there was something about this. Let me scroll back up through my notes. Um, oh, I mean, we'll get into Miguel. I just I had like um, I had a I almost said resolution. What am I trying to say? Revelation. There it is. It's been a long day. It's been a long week. Um so let's get into this. We're starting with a Baba O'Rum. And every time I hear Baba O'Rum, I think of Keon's mom because she loves Baba O'Rum. But I don't. But I feel like I would like Ina's. I feel like I've had rum cake before. I feel like I feel like people bring them back from like the islands, you know, and it's like it's always in like a cardboard box. You know, it's also like sealed with plastic, too. So but it just I always feel there's, I've said it before on the podcast, there's a very fine line of how much rum you should be adding to the rum cake. I feel like if I'm, I just feel like I'm biting into a spoonful of like rum. You know what I mean? Like I can take a shot of rum on my own. I don't, I I don't want to taste pure alcohol. I want, I want it to be balanced. I want it to be like vanilla-y and, you know, I think Ina does it right. So let's get into this. So Ina reminds us that this is a yeast cake with currants and then soaked, which are then soaked in rum syrup, or the cake is soaked in rum syrup. And she really takes this, I mean, she really, um, what's the phrase here? She really runs with this idea that it's a yeast cake. I, you know, it's, it's a cake with yeast, but I don't know if I would, it's like, that's not how I would present this cake. It's a cake, you know, that just happens to have yeast in it. And I don't know why she chooses to call that out, but, uh, there we are. So she's buttering the pan for it. And I have I have the name for this pan, but it's later in my notes because I didn't know what it was called at this point. But it's kind of reminiscent of a Bundt cake. 
it's like a German word, which is why I can't remember it off the top of my head. But it has like it has like more tears, T I E R S. Um, it in if that makes any sense, it's almost like a hat. It's like kind of tall, but not. So, Ina pours in some hot milk into the standing mixer. She said it should be about a hundred and fifteen degrees, and she puts uh one package of yeast into the milk, then a tablespoon of sugar. And she mixes it with her fingers to make sure that it's alive, she says. And then she has like this semi like deranged like sort of aside to the camera of she like looks up after it's as she's mixing this with her fingers. She's like alive and well. And then she just like laughs. She just like chuckles to herself as if this is like some inside joke or something. Is that is that a quote? Alive and well? I don't know. It's almost like. I feel like this is in the same category of when she says tadam as opposed to tada. I don't know. But it made me laugh, uh, you know, enough for me to talk about it on this episode. Um, anyway, now it's time to soak the currants. Oh, Ina says that. That's a quote. She says, now it's time to soak the currants. Mm. There's a lot of mms in here. It's um, it's a mm heavy episode. I Sometimes I add them in myself for a little bit of flavor to turn the volume up. But I think almost all the mms that I'm going to say on this episode are are um, just like genuine mms from Ina. So that always gets me, makes me happy. So the currants, she puts a third cup of currants into like a little bowl and then she adds a tablespoon of good dark rum. I also will add to that I'm not really a big rum guy. Like I never order rum drinks I think I had, what are those called? Oh my gosh, we had like so many of them in Hawaii. It was like, oh my gosh, I have to look it up. Give me one second. Mai Tais, that's what they're called, uh, which I liked. I, I don't think I could drink like seven of them, but they're they're a nice, especially in Hawaii, they were like fresh. Um, I lost my place in my notes now. Oh, okay. So the currants are in the rum. Okay. And then she mixes that with her fingers too. And she's like, this is a very hands-on cake, she says. And uh, next she cracks two eggs into a bowl and adds them to the standing mixer in on low speed. And then she adds some flour into that and then some salt followed by four tablespoons of room temp butter. It's a very sticky dough. She says it a lot, but it, it truly is. It looks... It's almost like a cake batter almost, which I guess it is a cake, a yeast cake. Um, and then she puts a little water. This is the first time I've ever seen her do this or anyone do it, I guess. I don't know. It just didn't. It felt a little foreign to me. But she puts a little water on like a dish towel, like a, a tea towel, I guess, and then puts and, you know, squeezes it out and then puts it over to bo- uh, the bowl to allow it to rise. I guess maybe there's a danger that the, the dough could dry out a bit, I guess. Who knows? Um, so as she puts the towel on the dough to rise, she hears Miguel coming in. And here's what I have to say about Miguel. I think Miguel is my number one. I've said it before. I've come close to saying before. Like, I know TR is great. And I think Michael is also great. But every time I see Miguel, it just, you know, I just get so happy. I just think he's so calming. It's almost like an ASMR sort of moment. Anytime he's like arranging a table, I could just watch him arrange something and talk about it for for days i just i think he's so adorable i think he's my number one it might change down the road but for now i am you know i'm hashtag team miguel and i just i just love him he's so great so miguel is here and um i feel like oh wait is this oh yeah okay so they do a double kiss and ina shows miguel what she bought for him she kind of like 
supplies him with everything that he needs and then she just you know gives him the the artistic freedom to do whatever he wants she has some of course flowers she has some plates some glasses some napkins she has two different types of cloths she says for the two different types of tables so um there is a like a circle table and then there's like an actual it's like an actual like square table i thought it was a rectangle at first but it's not it's a square table which i actually like i mean of course i'm going to tell you at the very end of the episode which one which dessert slash which table i would choose because that's fun right um so Miguel is very excited at the prospect of Baba O Rum. I guess that would be his choice. And this is such a weird moment. Um, I guess she goes in. I feel like she was going to go give him one of her classic like Ina side hugs. But it's they fall into like a little bit of like a hug hug. And like in, Miguel initiates like the double kiss. And they both realize almost instantly that this is not what they wanted to happen. <laughs> like both ends. But like he's committed. So they do like a double kiss. And Ina's like talking through it. It's so funny. I do. I, I, I've talked about double kisses before. And uh, Keon, who is Lebanese and Lebanon, they do triple kisses, which just like stresses me out anytime I, I see his family. I don't do it. I just can't because I feel like I should be doing it. But then I'm like, this is ridiculous. I can't do three kisses. It's just like, huh, it's just um, it's a whole thing. But that made me laugh. And now it's back. Speaking uh, uh, about that Baba, it's back to the Baba dough. Baba dough. Uh, she drains, Ina drains the currants. She's back in the kitchen and she takes a quick bite of one of them. And for those folks who don't know what currants are, because I don't think I've ever, I've never bought them before and I probably had them in desserts, but I feel like they're, they're, they're definitely like a raisin, but I don't know what they are. Like what's, what is it? You know, raisins are dried grapes, but currants are dried currants. I don't know. I should have looked that up, but I didn't. So, you know, write in and let me know. Um, so she pours the currants into the dough and folds them in. The dough is very sticky. Ina describes it as wallpaper paste, and it kind of does look like that. It, it It is thick. Okay, here's the name of the pan, too. She puts it in the Kugelhopf. It's K-U-G-E-L-H-O-P-F mold. So I did a quick Google search on this. So it says... The Kugelhof is the old South German name that combines the middle high German words Gugel, G-U-G-E-L, also see also Google, a long pointed hood, derived from Latin meaning hood or bonnet, and Hupf, H-U-P-F, which literally means to hop or to jump. So there we go. Now we know what kind of bunt, or not bunt, or a mold that is. It kind of looks like a bunt cake, but see, we're learning something. We, we're, we're ready to make this cake, a yeast cake. Um, so she pours the batter in, she uses like a butter knife to kind of spread it around because it is like, since it's so thick, it just kind of like lumps onto one side of the, the mold. And then this is interesting. We don't see the Baba O, the Baba cake, I guess the Baba O rum go in or out of the oven, but suddenly it's like, it's out of the oven after a commercial break. And it's just weird. And she does tell us that she baked it for 30 minutes at 375, but usually, you know, we see it go in, we see it come out, but I guess uh, it was cut for time, folks. Didn't have time for that this week. 
So now that the cake is out of the oven, she's going to make the sugar syrup. Yum, is what she says. And she pops the cake out of the mold. She's always, I feel like she's always so relieved that it comes out so well. I guess if you're making, you know, if you're doing like a, a Food Network show, you, you always wanted to come out right the first time. But it's always one of that, like, sometimes I even amaze myself, you know? So she starts, okay, so the, the sugar syrup or the caramel, I guess. She starts with one and a half cups of water and one cup of sugar. And she heats it until the sugar dissolves and then puts it into, you guessed it, that four cup Pyrex. And then she adds two thirds of a cup of rum. And then she adds a half a teaspoon of the good vanilla. And then she pours that concoction. Oh, this isn't the caramel. This is the syrup that goes on the cake. I'm all caught up now. I was confused for a second. So she pours it on the cake almost instantly. And she says, um, it's best to do this when the cake is still warm. So it's like, it's almost like coming out of the shower and then you put lotion on. It's like the pores are open and it's just like perfect, a perfect time to do it. And by the way, the cake itself is still, it's like sitting on a rack on a sheet pan. So, because I, I was like, I wonder if all the juices will like fall through it. But you know, if you do it slow enough, it just kind of, you know, soaks it up. And she tells us, that she's going to make a glaze for it and then put a big dollop of whipped cream in the middle. Mm. <laughs> so many mmms. I love it. Uh, so speaking of that glaze, let's get into it. It's three quarters of a cup of apricot glaze, apricot, and then a little bit of water. And she puts it into like a, a little saucepan. And once it thins out, she puts it through a sieve and then brushes it onto the cake. This looks so good. I, I don't know. I think I'm no, not going to say anything. Um, of what I would choose. I'll save it for later, but I really want to, you know, talk it out as I'm, as I'm going through the episode. So Ina ponders as, you know, after she brushes the cake, she's like, I wonder what dessert she's going to choose. I wonder what table setting she's going to choose. And then cut to Miguel, uh, who has already, already has the table set. And he tells us that there is a round table, which is slightly more Provencal, more country-like, and the square is more urban, more elegant, and more formal. And I feel like you could like switch those adjectives around for either of these tables. I would say that the circle feels a little bit more formal and that the square feels a little bit more... Oh, wait, no. Because he uses the word like urban as in like, you know, I guess like in the city, more elegant. I don't know what he's trying to go for here. But I feel like the square table is more country-like. I don't know. But, I mean, Miguel knows best, so I should just shut up about it, right? Um, the centerpiece for the square table is some ivy, kind of in the shape of a star, he says. And he kind of just, like, lays them down ever so ever so gently. And then he puts a huge bouquet of hydrangeas, which are kind of like purple, white, and lime green. And I will say, this is one tip that I've always sort of taken away from Barefoot Contessa when she decorates, or, you know, when there are flowers on the table, is to sit at the table and make sure that you can see people across the way, just so you're not talking to a bouquet of flowers the whole time. I said bouquet. That was so Pittsburgh. Bouquet? Bouquet? Why does that sound so weird? A bouquet of flowers. Bouquet. <laughs> I don't know which one is right. It sounded weird as I was, I was saying it, like bouquet. Oh my gosh. My gosh. Oh my gosh. My brain is just, um, I'm malfunctioning over here, folks, but we're going to keep on, <laughs> we're going to keep on plowing through here. Anyway, I think the flowers are too tall. They are beautiful, but I would, nope, here I go again. I'm not going to, not going to say anything. Uh, so next it's, we're back in the kitchen with Ina and it's time for Il Flottant. 
And she tells us this is an old-fashioned French nursery dessert, which um, I don't know what that means. Nursery, like for kids, it's very... It, this seems like the worst dessert you could ever give to a child. It's very messy. Um, anyway, so first up, she has to make a caramel sauce, which starts with water and sugar. And while that heats up, she starts uh, the praline, which is blanched almonds, and then eventually some of this water and sugar, which turns into caramel. Um, but she already goes back to the caramel because it's already time to add. She Usually for caramels, you you add you know some sort of cream element, um, but she's adding water and some good vanilla because she wants it to have that sort of consistency of, I don't know, it's just a little bit more thinner than the average caramel, if that makes sense. So she stirs it uh, up until it's 230 degrees on a candy thermometer. And once it's finished, she takes a quarter cup of caramel and drizzles it. <laughs> drizzles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Drizzles. I said drizzes at first. She drizzles it over a the blanched almonds. Um, and then she spreads that out on a sheet pan and bakes it at 350 degrees for 12 minutes. That sounds good enough on its own, too. I do think that Il Flotant has, like, kind of the, uh, what's the word? Like, the consistency factor. Like, there's a little bit of, like, the pool of creme anglaise, the chewiness of the meringue, and then the crunch of the, like, the, the praline. I, I am into that. Um, so after the break, it's time for the meringues, speaking of, and she starts out with eight egg whites in the standing mixer, and into that goes a quarter teaspoon of cream of tartar and some salt, and once it gets a little frothy, she trickles in a cup of sugar and some good vanilla, and she spoons out, once that's all sort of, you know, incorporated, she spoons out like six hefty dollops of the meringue onto a sheet pan and it goes into the oven for 250 degrees for 20 minutes and I've said before too I don't really love meringues I don't like when I don't like hard meringues I like meringues that are going to be a little bit more chewy and I feel like this this is where that's going in my mind at least um so now it's back to Miguel my favorite who is do, uh, going to be doing the table setting for the circular table now so he says, in case Cassandra wants something less formal, he has very modern water, water glasses and stemware, and not one, not two, but three centerpieces of flowers. And I don't really know. I actually didn't pay attention to any of the flowers. Uh, they, I feel like they could have been roses. I don't know, but they were, they were nice. They were three different like sizes and textures of flowers that were in the middle, and they felt lower to the ground or lower to the table. So. I kind of liked it a little bit more, I'm not going to lie. And after Miguel is done, he says, round, square. I wonder which one she'll choose. And then, end of scene. Um, so now we're back with Ina as she shows us the last component of the Il Flottant, which is the creme anglaise. Anglaise? Anglaise? Uh, which she starts with uh, a cup and three quarters of milk, which she scalds but doesn't boil. And then she uses four of the eight egg yolks left over from the meringues. And she adds that uh, to... Oh, my notes just got crazy here. She adds that... I wrote she adds that as well. I don't know what that means. She adds it to a... I guess to that, she adds a cup of sugar into the standing mixer as well as some cornstarch into the eggs. I don't know why that sounded crazy, but that's where I am. Oh, folks, I cannot believe what she does next. I'm so proud of her. Okay, so let's set this up. 
the milk is scalded and she almost goes to pour it into the standing mixer from the saucepan like she always does and spills it everywhere but she actually says or she says actually it's easier to just pour it in here and or if I, if I pour it in this and she pours it into the Pyrex I like stood up and clapped oh, at long last it felt so good but I do feel like she did this on a previous episode so I mean this is like OG Barefoot Contessa too so you know I'm hopping around so I can't really remember if she sticks to that but you know I'll take it for this episode and I'm so glad she poured it into that because you know it's hot so once the milk is incorporated into the eggs it goes back into the saucepan to cook a little bit until it slightly thickens and once it does thicken she pours it into a sieve just in case and then she adds some di Sirono, which is she says it's almond liqueur but I thought it was like amaretto and then i i just took a pause here because i had to look up what amaretto is so because uh, kian and i we discovered it when we were in toronto like this great it's i guess it's sort of like a nightcap of sorts but it's called a french connection and it's basically like amaretto and cognac and it's so good i think we had it like neat like without ice but i like it with a little bit of ice to be honest too but it is so good if if, folks if you're looking for some sort of like just something to sip on that has like a little bit of that like amaretto like ah beautiful lovely drink i i I, it's a high recommend we've been recommending it to a lot of our friends and it's it's kind of hit or miss i will say i don't think it's like that polarizing of a taste i think it's it's like really it's almost like a dessert cocktail which i'm not really into but it's like and it's the easiest cocktail to to make because it's equal parts cognac and equal parts amaretto so either way i'm i'm excited that this is something that ina chose to put into this because i feel like this is really going to kick it up a notch and if that wasn't enough she adds some good vanilla as well as the seeds of a half of a (laughs) vanilla half of a vanilla pod and it just looks so good i could like drink all of this just like with a straw really so after the break she pulls out the meringues from the oven and the almonds from the oven and then she ladles out like the creme anglaise into these i guess it's like i don't know i didn't see what like it's almost like a big square plate or something like that i don't know but like shallow enough that it can hold the the liquid and then she puts the uh, meringues on top of it and then she adds a drizzle of caramel sauce onto it and then the praline almonds. It looks really good. And Ina's like, it's like heaven. And she just like stares off into the sunset. But now she sets, um, she, it's up. Uh, it's time to plate the baba o rum. And she sets that on a bed of like flat green leaves. Not a bed of leaves, just, you know, four simple leaves that are flat (laughs) and uh, Ina looks at both of them and she's like I don't know what I would choose so at long last Cassandra shows up and she's wearing like a white like knitted turtleneck I guess and some blue jeans uh keeping it simple and Miguel is also there they're all standing around they're all shipping uh, shipping they're all sipping champagne it sounds like I've been sipping champagne here folks but I, I promise you I haven't um so she describes so she's cutting up the baba o rum for cassandra and she describes the baba o rum again as a yeast cake and i just feel like if you're trying to sell these because i do feel i'm kind of team baba o rum here so i just feel like she lost the sell when she said yeast cake and um but you know (laughs) who cares (laughs) 
<laughs> and then she also gives her a little bit of the il flottant and then uh Ina also slices up a slice of baba for Miguel and she says you don't get a vote but you get a taste and then she throws her head back and laughs so it's the moment of truth and Cassandra chooses drum roll please the floating islands and she says the floating islands because I don't think she remembers the name il flottant which who would I guess and Although I will say at this point, like the floating islands looks like melting ice caps covered in hollandaise sauce. It really doesn't hold up well, but it probably tastes amazing. And that's probably why she went with it. And I don't think that the Baba O Rum, I guess it doesn't have that like wow factor. But I, I do think I like the Baba O Rum just feels like more. You know, I guess it, I don't know if this is being held at Ina's house or not, like if Ina's hosting it, but I I definitely think the Baba Oram would travel better, but I, I have this suspicion that Ina's like hosting as well too. So she said something like, and if you change your mind at like three in the morning that day, just tell me, I don't care, I'll make it. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, so, okay, so she picks her table next. So it's either Team Provençal, which is the circle table, or Urban, which is the square uh, the square table. And Cassandra chooses the Provençal table, which is the circle table, because she says she has a hydrangea theme at her wedding, and she'd like to go with something different because the hydrangeas were on the Urban table. But also, couldn't you just, like, switch the flowers around? You know, I don't know. What I would have done, if this were my wedding, I would have chose the Baba O'Rum, for sure. I just think it's... I think it would be good. I, I don't know. And the whipped cream in the middle of it. I think I mentioned that too, but she like pipes it in the middle of the cake. It just looks great. Um, and I would have chosen the square table with the circle tables flowers, like the three bouquets of white flowers. Because I the way that it was set up, the square table was like it was two on each side. So you can still see everyone and talk to everyone, which I like because I do like the idea of a circle table because if you're at a big long table, you're just kind of like stuck to whoever whoever sits next to you and I hate that so it's kind of nice that you have the option to just you know and they're small tables so everyone can sort of talk to everyone so that is my vote although I mean I I'm not going to turn down the Il Flottant I think it it would be a great dessert but I don't know if I'd want it but I've never tasted it so I don't know it looks like a pain in the ass to make to be honest <laughs> I bet Ina was like Ugh, are you sure you don't want the Baba O Rum um but you know this is her gift to Cassandra and, you know, it's Barbara's, it's Barbara's daughter, it's Barbara's daughter, Ina. I was going to say Ina and daughter at the same time. Folks, I feel like I need to wrap it up. I don't know what is wrong with me today, but I'm sure, I hope you enjoyed all of my stumbles today. Um, but to wrap up this episode, uh, basically they toast to Cassandra and then Ina says more dessert. She just like, roars to, to both of them and they're like yay and then you know fade out oh, what a great episode I I had a good time I stumbled upon so many words but I, I enjoyed myself and I hope everyone else did too so thank you again for listening if you want to follow the podcast on social media you can follow it on Instagram at goodvanillapod or you can send me an email at goodvanillapod at gmail.com also, I made a group for The Good Vanilla on Facebook. Very easy to find. Just search The Good Vanilla. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review. Or just tell another Barefoot Contessa fanatic. That also works, too. And if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me on Instagram at Nick Kochanov. 
And you can find me on my other podcast, the aforementioned Best Supporting Podcast, every week with Colin Drucker. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Stay safe, and I'll see you next time.